Howdy, Ags. Welcome to Aggie Growth Hacks, the podcast sponsored by the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship at Texas A&M, where we help Ags improve their business, connect with other Aggie entrepreneurs, and support one another. I'm your host, Greg Martin, Fighting Texas Aggie Class of 2001. And I'm your co-host, Chris Hunter, Fighting Texas Aggie Class of 1998. Whoop. Well, we got a little story for you, Ags. Justin Baton, Fighting Texas Aggie Class of 2008, is president of Specialty Fleet Sales a company that serves the niche market of power distribution companies by providing fleet vehicles of bucket trucks. Justin is the number 20 fastest growing Aggie entrepreneur in 2020, and he has absolute nerves of steel. You know exactly what we mean, and we are so excited to have this conversation with Justin. So pass it back and listen up to Justin as he shares some good bull. Well, Justin, welcome to Aggie Growth Hacks. Thank you so much for joining us today. Congratulations on your first of what I know is going to be many Aggie 100 wins. We're excited to party with you tonight. Thanks for being here. Thank you guys very much for the opportunity and the invitation to, to come on board and kind of share a little bit of our story. Well, we were talking a little bit beforehand, and you're one of the lucky few that still has a house here in College Station at the motherland. You know, you, you live outside of College Station, but you, you come back. But you come back as a as a former student. What do you miss about being a student? Yeah, so that's a that's a great question. I would say probably just you know a piece of that sentence. Being a student yourself, you know, just kind of being around this atmosphere in this town, it, it's very unique. So I've been able to travel to a, a lot of Big Twelve schools, a lot of SEC schools, and see the the culture and the dynamic and the spirit really out of those other schools. And you just don't quite get that same feeling as you do kind of here in Aggieland, whether you bump into, you know, freshman year students or you bump into the 75-year-old retiree that decided to come back to Aggieland, yeah. it is just a really unique place in the country to, to come back to. And as a student, you, you go enjoy all the activities on campus and, and a lot of the camaraderie that, that gets built and a lot of lifelong relationships. It's kind of the foundation. It's very hard to go top kind of the, the spirit of Aggieland and just being here full time and, and going through that experience, you know, at a and <laughs> I, I totally get that. You know, when I was in the Air Force, no one understood me. No one understood <laughs> me, right? Except my commander that came in, she was, she was from the Corps, so she completely got me, right. you know, at that point. I'm like, hey, I know someone, <laughs> you know, we knew each other. And it's an really. instant connection, yeah. which is, a, you know, an unbelievable connection that you, yeah. you can kind of take those pieces in, in other places when you bump into other Aggies. Absolutely. So every entrepreneur has a story, right? And I, that's one of my favorite things about Aggie Growth Hacks is really hearing the entrepreneurial journey and where, how did you get to where you are? So tell us a little bit about Specialty Fleet and how did you even get into that? So Specialty Fleet is a sales and rental company and we specialize in the equipment sector of the overhead utility equipment. So that meaning bucket trucks, digger derricks on the electric utility side. So mm -hmm. all of your power companies, your power company trucks that you may not pay attention to every day after listening to this, you, you may start seeing them more yeah. frequently. Yeah. But all of that, those equipment needs for all of that overhead power infrastructure, all of your overhead telecommunications infrastructure, whether that being you know, cable TV, all your phone system, now broadband. Um, so we are the equipment rental and suppliers of that type of equipment. It's a very 
unique industry. It's a very specific industry. We sell equipment all across the United States. We sell a lot of equipment outside of the U.S. and we rent equipment. And so it's really kind of a very specific and unique industry that we operate in. Kind of going back to the entrepreneurial side of it is I have a lot of that kind of you know heritage and into my genes. So obviously going back to to both grandfathers were were family you know business owners. Both of you know my parents both operate business. So I was always raised in family business and in family ownership. And really a lot of my plan in coming to school at A and M and going through is really thought probably at that time I would go back and take over some portion of a family business is kind of you get outside of that and you start wanting to to broaden. What I really wanted to go do is go see how other people ran their business. I knew how, you know, my family runs their business, right. but everybody is very unique in the way that they want to run their business and business decisions and, and growth. And I had a very great opportunity in going to work for a company in our same industry Really what my experience was that that I gained was I had a lot of experience and saw firsthand in regional and local kind of entrepreneurial businessship and getting over into really what we do on a global side and, and nationally is you learn the different business techniques that are used around the world and in different portions and different segments of, of the of the U.S. And so, you know, really probably that has led to our growth rate, kind of our success story in specialty fleet and being able to kind of understand kind of that local relationship where you know the people that you're doing business with. You can do a lot of stuff on a handshake and, you know, really kind of your last name means a lot versus, you know, on a global level where you kind of get into to contracts and yeah. in the trust What's level. What does the document say? The, you know, what does the document say? And so there's nothing wrong with, you know, whether you're growing a business on a local or regional scale or on a national or global scale, but the dynamic of the business and how the business transactions operate are, are almost 180 degrees separate. And so that's probably been what I've learned the most in being able to figure out the difference in between those two. You know, there's a lot of companies that we operate that still kind of have that handshake. And then you get into the big corporation companies and it is what the document says. Right. And, you know, every T crossed, every I dotted, and that's the way they operate. And so being able to operate your business and be able to pivot based off of that, you know, with the size of the business has probably been some of our most successful reaction versus some of the, the very large corporations in our industry that just lose touch of, of dealing what kind of with those smaller business, you know, from, from us in a customer base, it's a true owner operator entrepreneurial all the way up to, you know, a global business that actually has connections and in, in are running our equipment globally. So that's a really unique skill set that you and your team have to have. Do you have teammates that have that depth of the ability to deal with a Fortune 100 company and a mom and pop handshake? Or do you say, okay, you're going to kind of specialize in these types of clients because that's what they expect? 
versus the large ones? Yeah, so we really have both. We've got guys on our on our team that we that we work with. For instance, on the sales side, we've got some connections in in guys that that promote some of our product that were ex linemen. So they are actually the guys out running the trucks. Mm -hmm. So your smaller business, your owner operators, they can connect with that person on a much deeper basis because they've been out doing the work. They understand that work. Taking that guy into a boardroom and talking to, you know, CEOs, fleet managers, vice presidents of a divisions, that's not your guy that you want to take in there because they're more the nuts and the bolts and kind of understand the, the equipment side right. versus taking a, a different team member in that understands the business operations, more of like specking the equipment. The guys in the boardrooms aren't the guys running the trucks. And sometimes the bigger the corporation, those are the decision makers versus the guy you know down that are actually the owner operator. And then it's very difficult sometimes to take the guy that's much better in the boardroom situation in him being able to connect with the owner operator because he's never actually been in the equipment. He's never used the equipment. So it's very two separate dynamics. And we try to do our best to kind of push those off, you know, based off of what our customer base is and kind of what the, you know, what the meetings are for. It's just two totally separate dynamics that we try to split the best we can. Well, Justin, you're obviously a fast growing Aggie entrepreneur. Uh, again, Aggie 100 winner in 2021. And you've been in this industry for a long time, even before you started this company. But what what has been special about this company? What what was the thing that crossed the tipping point that really allowed you to accelerate and become one of the fastest growing Aggie entrepreneurs? So uh, probably one of the the biggest things that has allowed for a lot of our success and in, in the growth of our success has been the networking relationships that over time in you know the years that you know straight out of college and going straight into the industry that you don't realize at the time early on that you're building kind of a big pathway of connections and networking out there. And really the way that you present yourself and the way that you operate, whether it's your business or maybe you're working for somebody else. And, and, in, and in my case, at the time when I was when I was developing these relationships, I really had no intentions or, or no forecast to maybe doing this on my own one time and kind of, until the door opened. But the way that you present yourself and kind of the honesty of the way you do business and and really, you know, the integrity in the way you do business. Mm -hmm. And what I found was, you know, many years later when I got ready to do this on my own, no one ever starts a business on their on their own. It's a lot of mentorship. It's a lot of connections. And when I decided, you know, hey, I think this is what I, what I want to go do. It's a very big decision, especially when you're walking away from a check that comes every Friday versus, hey, it's feast or famine. You know, I'm out going to go make my own living. Yep. And to go step out on that, you know, you need, a, you need a lot of people around you and a lot of guidance. And so what I found was probably some of the most successful was those relationships and that networking that I had built over those years where I reached out to, you know, suppliers and said, hey, I think I'm going to go do this, but would you, would you do business with me? Would you give me terms on my name? And that was really what got us off the ground is that people were willing to do business with us and give us terms out the gate and really probably overstep what they really should have done to help us get going, to help us be successful. And you don't realize that you're building all of that, all of those connections at the time, you know, over those years and over those years, th there are businesses that operate in different forms and, and fashions. We always wanted to be very truthful with our clients, with our vendors, treat your vendors just as well as you do your customers. 
you know, pay your bills on time. There's just a lot of facets and pieces that go along with that. And really, you're just building a, a, a level of trust there. And they they knew that, you know, obviously we were a startup business. They had no business history with us, but they had business dealings with myself. And then when you start telling them, hey, we're going to bring on, you know, some of our old team members and they're familiar with some of those old team members and they kind of understand how you're going to run your business and they kind of give you the one chance. And, and really, you have the one chance to, to prove yourself and say, we're going to continue the relationship and the way that we do business the way we did previously. Or, you know, you kind of burn that bridge, you know, right out the gate. And we just had guys step out on limbs that really shouldn't have. But then to give yourself credit, you stepped up, too. Yeah. So that's, uh, you know, that's the follow up. That's the, that's the yeah. follow up. You know, they can put it on the tee, but you still have to get up there and swing the bat. Yeah. And just, you know, having the opportunity of, of guys giving you a chance to go get up to bat, that was probably a, that's a huge challenge. And it's a huge challenge for a lot of startup businesses is having a network of people around you that will give you that opportunity. You know, I had a lot of ambition to, to go start this, but I still had to have a lot of guys give me the chance to actually step up to the plate yeah. to give them a, re a result. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And that's, that's pretty much any entrepreneur, right? I mean, you've got to have a, a network, whether that's your wife, your parents, your people that you've met along the way, you know, to help build that, that up. Yeah. The great thing about that is whether it's family or, or other business colleagues that are kind of helping you along. What I found is people are, are very grateful and they like to be a part of a growth story. They're willing to kind of step out on a limb. And when you follow up on doing what you, you know, what you'll do for them. And it's not just, you know, giving you lines of credit. It's, it's giving you a lot of advice along the helps, uh, way. Right? Credit helps, right? Yeah. Cr yeah. Credit definitely helps. Credit definitely helps. But it's funny you said that. Yeah. <laughs> right, the, the, banker, the marketer, right? not the yeah. banker. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the, yeah, the credit never hurts, but you know, giving you kind of their advice. The result in that is that most of these are business owners, whether, you know, I had my parents that, that have been business owners for 40 plus years. I saw grandfathers for, you know, that had business for 50 and 60 years. And obviously, as things progress in technology, business changes. A lot of business techniques stay the same. I was getting phone calls almost weekly of people calling in that we did business together. But after hours, they would call and, and check in and say, hey, how are things going? What are your challenges that you're having? Now, talk about business. Are you? Are you having? Justin. Right. Yeah, okay. it's Justin having a, yeah. you know, and it went in, in, in the dialogue of that changes in, hey, you also have a family, so don't forget that. And so you kind of get down into a, a personal level. And a lot of these guys, they do want to pour that 40 years of knowledge out into somebody else coming up. Yeah. That's what I love about entrepreneurship. I know, right? Yeah, it's great. Yeah. You know, people are willing, if you will listen, and that's the that's the flip side. So you do see some out there where they do come in and go, I'm doing this on my own. Yeah. I'm kind of the smartest one at the table. You know, I hope that I'm never the smartest one at the table. Right. Hopefully I'm sitting at a table that, you know, I've got either a person on our team or an advisor that's much more intelligent on the financial side than what I am. Hopefully I have somebody on our team or an advisor that's much more intelligent than the nuts and bolts of the operation than I am. And, and being able to kind of go find whether it's people on your team or professionals that are willing to kind of give you that advice, I think that's a lot of the success is I don't ever want to be the smartest guy at the table. I just want to be at the yeah. guy at the table that can kind of bring everybody together. And really, that's the baseline for most successes. Mm -hmm. Most successful companies are that way. Yeah. One of the most successful guys in the automotive industry was Lee Iacocca. When he came into Chrysler, 
and was trying to fix the problem. He said, you know, we're not going to fix the problem in the boardroom. We're going to fix the problem in the lunchroom. And actually, you know, is the is a president of a company didn't try to sit around with a, with a lot of other executives and go figure out their problems. He went and sat actually and ate lunch with the guys on the shop floor to figure out actually what the problems were. Yeah. And very uniquely, a lot of times the people that know the problems actually have a pretty good idea on how to fix the problems. And so that's what I always try to keep in the back of my mind. Every part of an organization, everybody has a little piece. And if you'll actually ask the question and then sit back and listen, you may take somebody's idea and can kind of craft that into a very clever solution versus not actually doing their job and trying to figure out a solution on your own. Make sure you sound by that. <laughs> that's great. All right. Before the next question, we're going to take a quick pause here to hear from our sponsor. And we're back. So next question is really centered around, we all have challenges, we all face challenges, right? Every entrepreneur in the entire world faces challenges on a, on a daily basis. And we've talked about this year over, over and over and over again of the past year and a half, right? We're not even gonna go there. But so far in the lifespan of your business, what's been the biggest challenge that you faced and how have you hacked that to overcome it? So really probably our biggest challenge that we've had is today on two sides, one being a, a major supply chain issue, and it's not unique yeah. to our business yeah. or yeah. our industry, it's really globally. Yeah. And so the, the supply chain, we are really starting to see that impact. Going back to the early COVID days, this was actually a, a lot of my fear, and it really wasn't as current as it is now. So my fear was, is if all the businesses shut down for, for us, being in our business, you know, obviously a big part of our business is refurbishing and making repairs on our equipment. So whether it's, you know, on the use side of our company where we're bringing in used assets and refurbishing them and then remarketing those on a secondary market, or it's our rental fleet that comes back in that just needs just general maintenance and repairs before it goes back out to a rental customer. My fear was, is if everything shut down, all the businesses shut down, you know, an auto parts store, they shut down. We can't get parts. Yeah. Our customers still have needs. There's still power lines and, and utility lines that have to be maintained. So us as an equipment company still has an, a demand, but if we can't repair and fix our product, we can't get our product to our customer. And at the beginning, my thought was if our supply houses close and we can't get components, that was my biggest fear. Or maybe they could not get the parts from their warehouses, actually, to, you know, from the distribution centers to the retail houses. That was a lot of my concerns. So what we did, we were very used to just-in-time inventory. So really kind of to keep okay. cash off of the shelves, we were leaning very heavily on our suppliers as we needed components to order them. And, and it was very common to be able to get them same day, next day. You know, that's across the board to a lot of industries where instead of housing a lot of parts and components where we have a lot of our capital tied up yeah. really in stranded assets sitting on the shelf until the need arises, where we kept the cash in the account and we ordered those parts same day, next day. And so what we elected to do is, is really kind of vamp up our and ramp up our inventory levels on the used equipment side. So we took very early on when COVID kind of very started hitting, we made a list of a pretty good group of our inventory and said, instead of ordering this stuff as we bring the trucks in for repairs, 
we're going to order everything we need for this truck at one time. We're going to put it in a box and we're just going to put it on the shelf. And we're going to try not to use those parts unless we sell that specific asset or we need that piece of equipment. So my thought process was if we have the parts, even if everything shuts down, we still have 30 or 60 days worth of work Mm -hmm. for our company that doesn't shut us down. And hopefully at the very beginning, no one ever thought it was going to last this long. Surely we would have a solution within 30 or 60 days. We go back to normal and we get we get back to life. It's going to be fine. Yeah. So, you know, that was that was the that was the early thought process. So that's really kind of how we how we tried to hedge that. Now we're a year and a half later and now we're seeing the, the true, true supply chain issues from our chassis vendors from the automotive side. Right. We can't get chassis for new equipment to get built because they don't have the microchips. It's just gone the upstream. microchip thing, right? And this has truly, truly affected our business. Mm-hmm. So it affects us on, on two folds. So we can't get equipment None of our new equipment's coming in because the chassis manufacturers can't complete the chassis, mm-hmm. which means they can't get our aerials mounted on the trucks. That's not unique to us. It's across the board, which means there's no other new equipment coming in. So again, the big portion of our business is used equipment coming from these utilities that may be five or six year old trucks that they're replacing. They're not getting they're not replacing their, it anymore. They're not replacing them because they can't get the new trucks. So th- there's nothing coming in the top of the pipeline which means there isn't anything coming out the bottom of the pipeline. So what we're seeing is our inventory levels drastically shrinking and the demand for our product with all of the telecommunications and fiber build out. So our demand for the equipment is almost at a probably historical high for our industry, but the quantity of the equipment is extremely (laughs) limited. Yeah. So we try to do a few things in in going up and ramping up our inventory. Was very graciously blessed with some information from one of our chassis manufacturers early on that said, hey, this microchip thing is coming. Yeah. When I heard it the first time, I thought you can't tell me that a national chassis manufacturer isn't going to be able to produce vehicles. Right. After about 30 days and you started hearing it from multiple manufacturers, I thought, you know what? This is a very unique time that we've never crossed before. And so we took a huge gamble and really it is just beginning to pay off. We had one of our team members go and really search the country in truck chassis that would meet our spec that we could mount utility equipment on. And so we bought as many of those across the country as we could at one time. Wow. Talk about stacking cash. A huge, a huge yeah, gamble. Right. And from a banker standpoint, you know, there was a lot of comments that said, you better be right on this. This is uh, this is literally doubling down with all your chips, not necessarily on just red or black. We were picking a specific number to uh, put all of our chips on. Right. And it was either going to be extremely successful with the company or it was going to be extremely detrimental to the company just because we were layering on so much debt at one specific time. So we, we made that gamble. I tried to do a lot of research. It seemed to be a very constant message across the board that this wasn't going to be a short-term fix. And so we made the investment. I decided to, to pull the trigger, make the investment. And so we bought as many trucks as we could across the country. And now we are one of the very few in our industry that are actually going to have some new product kit and ground before year end. Wow. All right. So Aggie 100. 2022 number one. That's what, <laughs> I hope. That's yeah. what yeah. I just yeah. heard. Right, right. That, that's what I just heard. We're going to have amazing growth. Yeah. So, uh, so next year our growth hopefully should be exponentially higher. <laughs> year after that, you know, now we're in the same boat with everybody else. Nobody right. can get trucks. So after it's this, all fixed by then. Right? Yeah, that's yeah. Right. Let's cross our fingers that we're back to normal. <laughs> that's right. And the yeah. roll of the dice definitely, you know, definitely paid off. Yeah. But you know, so that was one of the things that we did as a company. And every successful company probably has a crossroads there in being able to do that. You know. 
we had a plan. We've kind of stuck to it. But it wasn't just a plan that I woke up one day and thought, hey, let's go do this and let's go roll the dice. But, you know, before we did this, I did a lot of research. I reached out to a lot of people across different, you know, chassis manufacturers. And it was a very constant message. If it wouldn't have been a constant message, we would have never made that large of a capital investment to go acquire that many units across the country and have them all shipped in just so that we would have them. Being able to kind of go out and take that information and then act on it versus a lot of companies that don't want to take a lot of that risk that has the information and they look back and go, they got lucky. Well, Justin, let's kind of roll around. I mean, you have given us a lot of good information, but let's roll into the lightning round. All right. 30 seconds or less on all these questions, but what is your personally your favorite hack? So I would say probably my favorite hack that has been instrumental for for me personally and professionally is really an, an airplane. And I know that probably comes across is is a is a is a unique hack, but for me what it does is it's a time machine. So for every entrepreneur, we can you can never have enough time. That's what we're trying to create every day. Whether it's the way you operate your business, whether it's the op- the way you operate your professional time when you're in the office, or it's the time that you have personally with your family, is you're trying to maximize yeah. every minute of your day as an entrepreneurial because every minute does count, whether it, it is on the personal side or it is professional. And so I've got my private pilot's license, and really we've been able to use an aircraft as an extremely good tool. And going I think in. I just heard Justin say we're going to LSU. I know, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, let's, yeah. yeah. But that's what He's I heard. He's going to stop down here yes. in Aggie Lane. Pick everybody, pick everybody else up. I'm pretty sure that's what I heard. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the challenge with being the pilot is everybody in, you know, on the rest of the plane is really getting to enjoy their trip. And you're the, having to be the <laughs> one. Re- yeah, you're having to be the one responsible one of the whole trip. So that is right. the one downside I thought of there was that. like autopilot or something yeah. like that, right? That sounds like a yeah, they, problem. The, yeah, they frown upon that when you kind of start having as much fun as everybody else does on the on the airplane sometimes. <laughs> but that's probably been the, the, the number one thing for, for, for me and, and us as a company in being able to go out and talk to those customers face-to-face versus doing it over the phone yeah. is that we do try to go get in front of those customers. A lot of situations that we're in as a company, if you were going to travel to the airlines or wherever that may be, you're, you're talking you're going to lose potentially two full days of your week where we can actually utilize that as an extremely effective tool in our business where you can go out and, and, and be back. What may take you, you know, five hours to drive, you know, I can fly it in about 45 minutes. So what it, what it allows me to do is, is go have those very effective in-person meetings, whether it's a customer meeting or a vendor meeting, and then get back to the office and you're sitting in the office by noon and you kind of finish out your day versus totally losing one or two days of your time, driving five hours, having a two yeah. or three hour meeting, getting back in the truck. And it allows you to spend, you know, that balance of time with family. The other unique thing about, you know, kind of flying is that you do have to be responsible and pay attention. When you are flying, it is kind of your own peace of mind. You're not thinking about, you know, everything that's going on at the office or in the business. You're kind of focused on flying that airplane. And so it is a definitely a great personal stress relief. I always call it the most stressful, non-stress thing that you'll ever do is nice. probably go fly an airplane. Yeah. Is because the, you, you, it is a, a great stress relief from everyday life. But you're just focused on on other things during that time to go yeah, do like that. Not yeah, not crashing. Right, not crashing. Exactly. <laughs> awesome. I love that. So next question. What's the best advice you've ever been given? Some of the best advice is integrity, honesty, and kind of customer service or customer solution. So unfortunately, the world that we live in, 
if you want to call it customer service or call it customer solution, I like customer solution a whole lot better than customer service. But there are less and less interactions from a business to business standpoint where the customer service is there all the way down from just renting a hotel room to everyday business. A lot of people are frustrated, obviously, with, with supply chain. They just kind of getting beat up every single day. And from early family business and, and like I said earlier, where a handshake and your last name means a lot in different parts of the world and different parts of the business is not the way that some businesses operate. Sad truth. But it's, it, true. it's, the, it's the sad truth in business. And, and that's the hard part. It was actually one of the hardest parts probably for me professionally to learn. I grew up in East Texas. A lot of people in East Texas and in Texas in general, they can shake your hand and, and it means something to them. Their reputation means a lot to a lot of people. You get in other parts of the country and that's not the case. And that was probably one of the hardest lessons is shaking somebody's hand based off of previous experience and the way you were raised and a lot of your morals. And it ties back into coming to A&M and, and buying into a lot of the tradition and a lot of the integrity and the Aggie Code honor is that's just not the case around the world and in a lot of businesses here in the U.S. So that was probably some of the best advice is don't ever lose that. No matter what corner you get backed into, people will always respect it, whether you're the guy that has to take the black eye or not. Stand up, give the bad news if you have to give the bad news. People may not appreciate it at the time you give it, but when they look back, they definitely know that the way that you operate. And that's kind of how and why that we've kind of grown the company in the culture that we've tried to create is that whether it's, you know, the entry level person that joins our organization all the way up to myself is I want to be surrounded by people with that same integrity. And that definitely shows up in the customer experience. It shows up in the quality of product that, that we produce. Obviously, you know, my biggest worry is as you scale a business, how do you keep that culture in close tax as you possibly can? As you scale a business, it's harder to keep that wrapped around. So kind of what our goal is, is if we can try to build a very core base of people with that is they layer up underneath them that that same core integrity pushes out kind of throughout the same organization as we scale the business. Justin, thank you so much for spending time on today that you're celebrating a great win for you and your team. I mean, I've heard throughout this entire conversation that it is not about you. It's about the people that are around you that work with you and outside. How can Aggie entrepreneurs, fellow Aggies, get in touch with you to maybe have you to pick your brain to allow you to speak into their into their life? I would love to, to speak with anybody. So they can find our company on Facebook. They can reach out. They can go to our website. Um, Which is what? Specialtyfleet.com. Specialtyfleet.com. So they can pull up the website. They can send in that. They can reach out through Aggie Growth Hacks. And you guys have all of you know my personal contact information. I've got no problem. You know, like I said, if I can repay kind of what was paid to me in advice and guidance and being able to check in and, and really even connections. So that's kind of been a big part of our success, too, is that people like to connect you with other people that they think can help you be successful. So if I can help people that have helped us, I would love to continue that network with yeah. other Aggies out there or just other entrepreneurs out there that are, you know, that may be struggling in some different facets if we can potentially help. That's what we're all about here at Aggie Growth Hack. So, yeah. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate it and can't wait to celebrate with you tonight. Thank you guys very much. Well, how about that, Ags? Was that a great story or what? There were some super valuable hacks that Justin shared with us. What was your favorite, Greg? 
Chris, I mean, Justin, I, I said it at the beginning. I'm going to say it again. Justin has nerves of steel. I mean, when he talked about how he looked forward and was talking with all the suppliers and hearing about this chip shortage and the supply chain issue, yeah. what did he do? He, he didn't cower and he didn't say, okay, well, how are we going to figure it out? He's like, no, let's bet and let's bet big. And isn't that what entrepreneurship is about is trusting yourself and your team and knowing that, but betting on things that you can control and betting with information. So it's, it's not quite, you know, going to Vegas and putting it all on black, but the courage that that guy yeah. has amazing, amazing. What about you? Well, I mean, I I'm right there with you. I mean, that's, I, that was going to be my hack, but you stole it. No, I'm just kidding. But- <laughs> that's why I go first, right? Cause I'm un- unimaginative. <laughs> So uh, mine was, was kind of cool. The airplane, right? So the simple fact that that he cuts down on his time on in-person meetings and getting to those in-person meetings simply by getting on an airplane, not only getting on an airplane, but flying his own airplane. And I'm pretty sure he, he committed to flying us to the LSU game, right? I'm pretty sure. I don't think we're going to make that happen in a couple of weeks from when we're recording this, (laughs) but in two years, baby. I mean, so check out our Instagram. Two years from now, that'd be 2023. <laughs> Check out the Aggie Growth X Instagram and, and we'll be there at LSU. <laughs> well, that's going to do it for this episode of Aggie Growth Hacks. We hope that you enjoyed it and we hope that you connect with Justin. We also hope that you connect with Aggie Growth Hacks on LinkedIn, Instagram, and that you join us on our Facebook group where we're continuing the conversation with Aggie entrepreneurs. Chris and I would love to connect with you personally and maybe share your story on a future episode of Aggie Growth Hacks. Finally, be sure to check out our website, aggiegrowthhacks.com, where you can listen to previous episodes as well as check out some of our other content. Aggie Growth Hacks was produced by fellow Aggies, Kyle Ackerman and Ben Wiggins with Podcast Architects. We also want to give a huge shout out to our sponsor, the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship at Texas A&M University. Since 1999, the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship has served as the hub of entrepreneurship for Texas A&M. If you're an Aggie entrepreneur or even a wantrepreneur, head on over to their website and find a program that's right for you. Just search up the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship in Google and head over there right now. Join us next time when we connect with another great Aggie entrepreneur and learn how they hack their growth. Until then, I'm Chris Hunter. And I'm Greg Martin. Thanks and gig them.